0: Hello, and welcome to the ADHD Manual Podcast. My name is Abby Chow. I'm a marriage and family therapist, an ADHD-certified clinical services provider, and a proud ADHDer. This is a podcast for people with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder and those who love us, which covers pretty much everybody. Growing up with a colorful brain in a black and white world can make us feel like aliens. The manual we were given to guide us through life doesn't have any diagrams of the parts we have. I've decided to stop throwing away my parts and start throwing away this useless manual to write my own. So kick off your shoes, have a seat, and take a break from fitting yourself into a mold that's not your shape. You belong here. Allies, welcome to the ADHD planet. ADHDers, welcome home. Hello, family, and welcome back. Um, Abby here. Hope you're April is going well, Um, and um, I think Ramadan just started, so if you celebrate that, happy Ramadan or Ramadan Mubarak. Um, Yeah. So today I thought that I would actually share something maybe useful (laughs) or things that could be interpreted as tips or tricks. Um, just in case, you know, some people doubt that I actually am a therapist. I swear I do this for a living. I don't just, you know, sit in my closet and (laughs) wax poetic about, you know, feelings. Um, But speaking of feelings, I thought today um, what would be a cool thing to talk about is um, de-escalation. Um, specifically de-escalating big feelings. Emotional regulation is something that comes up a lot with ADHD and autism in particular. Um, It tends to be something that we uh, struggle with. Um, And, you know, the reason for that is... Um, as we've talked about in the past, our brain has trouble basically regulating everything. Um, so anything when it comes to moderation, regulation, um, you know, doing anything just a little bit, um, that tends to be super hard. So it has trouble regulating our attention and our sensory input and output, um, volume, you know, coming in and going out, um, regulating information and memory and, of course, emotions. So although uh, it is not in the DSM or the thing that lays out what ADHD is supposed to look like, emotional dysregulation is a humongous part of ADHD um, and almost all of us struggle with it. Our emotions just tend to feel bigger than most people's and that's because, you know, other people have a filter and we don't. Um... So it's really common for us to, to maybe sometimes experience being drowned in our own emotions, you know, and this can be any emotion, right? It can be anger, it could be anxiety, it could be, uh, frustration, um, after all, side note, frustration tolerance, that is an executive function, which is something we talk about a lot, um, as, as being something that, Um, needs extra support in ADHD. So that makes a lot of sense, right? Um, You know, feelings like overwhelm or even uh, excitement or happiness, that can feel sometimes overwhelming um, to either us or other people. (laughs) Um, And then of course, you know, just despair or sadness, we just tend to feel bigger. So we talk a lot about about that. Um, but I thought today we could talk specifically about, well, what actually, how do you handle that? You know, what do you do about it? What are some ways, um, what are some like little lifeboats you can grab onto in the, you know, the big sea of feelings, right? <laughs> um, so I thought we would talk about that today. And so what we could talk about everything I think can, um, apply to both adults and children, So some of them might be, um, you know, adults can do to help themselves kind of, uh, de-escalate and weather emotional swings. And then some might be more appropriate for, um, for parents to walk their children through. So something I do want to be super clear about up front is what I mean by de-escalation exactly. So, um a lot of times when we're talking about like de-escalating a situation, like a conflict or an emotional outburst or whatever, like a lot of times we might use that a little liberally as like make it go away. <laughs> you know, like, um, you know, de-escalating a conflict could sometimes be used by people to mean like solving it, you know, it kind of making it lessen its intensity and be able to, you know, be moved on from, right? So I want to be really clear what I mean when I say deescalation, because, um, especially in these situations of a super agitated state, um, you know, so when, when we're talking about, you know, big anxiety or, or anger or fear or, um, You know, sadness in those, like, really activated states um, is when our amygdala gets triggered, right? So that's that part of our brain that's uh, fight, flight, or freeze, um, generally speaking. Um, So it's the kind of part of our brain that is just hardwired to survive and nothing more. So when that part is activated as a method of survival, our prefrontal cortex... You know, the thing in the, in the front of our brains that's um, in charge of decision making, judgments, um, reasoning, things like that. The things that, um, you know, the part of our brain that ADHD already kind of struggles with. So in these activated states, for everybody, not just ADHD, but we might feel it especially hard because that part of our brain shuts off. You know, our, um, our amygdala is only focused on keeping us alive and that's it. So, um, in those life or death situations, which is what it's, you know, it's made for, um, we don't face a whole lot of those situations, hopefully, um, in our modern society, but it's made to weather those really dire, uh, moments. So, like, things like reasoning, um, you know, how to solve a problem, (laughs) or processing a feeling, like, you know, figuring out why do I feel this way, Um, or what's wrong, or even what exactly am I feeling? Those kind of, like, they're kind of um, more complex uh, cognitive functions that we won't have access to when we are really agitated in whatever way, you know, agitated could mean angry, anxious, scared, whatever. Um so that's important to know, because I think a lot of times when we say deescalate, um, especially, you know, well-meaning people who are maybe trying to deescalate someone else, say a child, for example, they might say, you know, like, oh, what's wrong? Tell me what happened? You know, tell me what's going on for you? What are you feeling? And like, And those can be very well-meaning, and I mean, some people might respond well to that, I don't know, but I think in general, especially if it's like a first initial reaction, those kind of questions um, and guidance is not helpful. Um, And what we actually need to be focused on is just surviving, just getting through it. So this is not a a time to, for example, um, you know, train yourself out of having big feelings um and I say that because uh I'm thinking of for example for me so my whole life I have really um I've had a bit of a temper you know and I've uh just tended to be kind of prone to anger and um and those kind of like flare-ups that can be very intense um and sometimes can be very like fast they come on fast and sometimes they even like just leave fast you know um so I think my whole life I have really struggled a lot with um feeling a lot of guilt and shame over that right like feeling like um especially as I've gotten older you know it's kind of like this thing that the older I get the more inappropriate it feels for me to be so angry you know so I feel like a lot of my life has been focused on how to not be so angry, (laughs) you know? And, um, for one, I mean, it's kind of pointless, right? To try not to be so angry. Um, you know, it's anger is unavoidable and it's natural and, um, everyone experiences it at some ways in different, um, to different intensities. Um, so it's not like a bad thing that we should get rid of. So, for that reason the focus was kind of uh, a moot point um but also i have found i don't know about you but trying to talk myself out of anger just made me angrier and made me feel even less in control of my um my feelings and my body and what's happening around me so um i say that in the sense that when we talk about deescalation i think Um, especially for people with ADHD who often don't don't have those um, maybe as much of a I think I've heard it described as like a yellow light right Um, you know a lot of neurotypical people have like a green light of like go and a red light of stop and then you know they have like an an in-between of like oh I'm getting angry or like oh I'm I'm gonna I'm going to lose my temper or I'm going to start yelling if I don't get myself out of here. You know, they have some like warning signals that things are going to take a turn. And for a lot of us, we don't have that. So, um, you know, especially when we're talking about like emotional hyperarousal and rejection sensitivity, um, those things come on really hard and fast and they can take over our whole um, perception and our whole kind of brain capacity really quickly. So we need to know how to handle that in the in the moment rather than how to stop it from happening or rather than how to like, you know, make it go away. So okay, I want to preface this by saying that this is a bad metaphor. <laughs> um but it's just lately how I've been thinking about it and um it's not exactly what I mean, but I'll I'll say why. <laughs> why I'm going in that direction. So, um, basically, I'm just to use like anger as an example, but it can be any big emotion, right? It can be anxiety, it can be, you know, excitement. I mean, like um I mean fun fact, like anxiety and excitement feels the exact same in our body. You know, it's just our brain's interpretation of our physiological signals. You know, it's like butterflies, you know, uh, fast heartbeat whatever. That's the same in anxiety and excitement. It's just how we interpret it. So anyway, that's neither here nor there, but, um, this can be any big feeling, but I'll use anger because that's what I'm talking about. So, um, what, what really clicked in my head, the way I was able to eventually comprehend it was like, um, is what if I started looking at like anger, not as like, um, something that's totally in my control that I can either stop or go or like, you know, um, end and move on or, you know, whatever. Um, but rather as something that was going to happen anyway, and I just um, had to figure out how to make my my environment and my surroundings the safest it could possibly be to minimize the damage. So um, in that respect, you know, I, I, it almost feels like a seizure. And I know that's a bad metaphor. Like it's, <laughs> um, it's not the same at all. Like there are definitely way more dangers associated with seizures, um, and medical implications. And, um, I do not at all want to like, um, say that it's the same experience. Um, but the way I've been kind of, um, picturing it is the principles of how to handle it. Right. So instead of, you know, you don't, when someone is having a seizure, your efforts are not to stop the seizure, right? It's not like there's no like, oh, shaking them out of it or like, you know, magic, um, you know, button you can push or, or thing you can do to make it stop happening. What you do is you make it safer for the body to regulate itself. So, you know, unless you have to, you know, do like medical intervention and that kind of thing. I, I truthfully don't know a whole lot about seizures, but I think the, the basic idea is how I'm, I'm just, I'm just trying it out. I'm just trying it out. What if I were to, um, look at it that way instead of something that I could, you know, just at any point end or at any point, like just stop struggling with. So to that respect, Um, I think it kind of ties into an overall philosophy that I think I, I like approaching ADHD and other neurodivergence with. Less about like how to make our symptoms go away and more about, you know, how do we how do we create the best environment for the impairments to lessen and for our strengths to shine. So here's one of my favorite ideas, and I'm going to um, tell you about it, and you can, you know, do with it what you will. So one of my favorite um, suggestions and interventions or tools that I like to um, refer clients to when we're talking about these kind of like um, you know, mood swings, um you know, big emotions, uh, temper, even um, like strong, strong feelings that come on of maybe um, self harm, suicidality. Um, one of my favorite suggestions is something called like a like a comfort box or a grounding box um, or a safety box. You can call it whatever you want, but basically the idea is that you have um, a collection of of tools, of ideas, of strategies, specifically for helping you through these escalated moments. So I have a few ideas. I think you'll see this in, um, you might have heard about it already, and you'll see it in a lot of contexts. You know, you'll see it in like a, um, you know, depression context of like navigating feelings of um, suicidal ideation or self-harm. You might see it um, in an anxiety context of how to weather anxiety or panic attacks. So you can customize this however you want. And I thought today we might talk a little bit about how we could customize it to suit um, ADHD and autism needs specifically. So I wanna preface this by saying that another philosophy that I like incorporating in ADHD treatment is the belief that um, our our bodies deescalate naturally. So even, even if you think about like, um, you know, on a very basic animal level, you know, when an animal's amygdala is triggered, when they go into the fight or flight response, they fight or flee, right? <laughs> you know, they do something like their body takes over and that's the point of the brain. The point of the brain is to take over so that you don't have to think as much and it just um, keeps you going. really like the idea that um our body already knows how to do this our body already knows how to de-escalate it already knows how to like um you know exit cortisol from our bodies it already that stress hormone right um it already knows how to flee a dangerous situation you know it already knows all of this stuff and so I think the, the key would be to really tap into, well, what are the ways that your body is already trying to deescalate? Because I'm, I'm willing to guarantee you that there, it, it might feel like my body's totally out of control. It doesn't know what it wants. It doesn't know what it wants to do. It's like, you know, um, it's just totally destructive. It doesn't even get what it's doing, right? I'm sure it feels that way because it feels so out of control, right? It feels like there's something else that's taking over. But I invite you to look more closely at what your body is doing when you're in this escalated state. So what I mean by that is, for example, like anger, right? There's, you know, there's a reason why um, people who are angry, like, you know, and this is not everybody, but some people tend to like externalize their behaviors, right? They might yell, they might um, throw something, break something, kick something. They might slam doors, you know, like the things that um, your body does when your amygdala is taking over, um, it might not be the most helpful <laughs> or the least damaging strategy, but it is a strategy. And so um, I, I think it would be cool to look at what is your body doing naturally and how can you use that, but maybe make it a little less damaging. So I say this now because I think the number one, you know, because ADHD is loveless. (laughs) So number one uh, focus of your your box should be safety. And so um, I'm using anger as an example because sometimes, I think a lot of times that is when um, more damage is possible. So keep track of what does your body want to do when it's angry? So, for example, for me, like, there's just something about when I'm super angry that I just really feel like I need to break something. And, um, you know, thinking about, like, what purpose that serves, like, not when you're escalated, like, when you're calm down and can reflect, you know, you can think about, like, what purpose does that serve, right? Like, sometimes it's just, like, um, needing to maybe you're very angry and frustrated because you feel powerless and so maybe breaking something makes you feel more in control or more powerful like maybe you have like there's literally like cortisol hormone like it's that fight and flight hormone in you that makes you want to move maybe that's it you know and so like figuring out why you're doing that thing could help you decide on what objects you want to put in your box so like keeping in mind that safety is the goal. Um, it should be, um, the number one thing should be things in there that prevent you from hurting yourself or someone else. Um, so, uh, I would recommend like the first thing being, um, sorry, we'll get back to things you can break in a second. (laughs) Uh, I'm all over the place. So, um, first thing is safety. So I think everyone should have in their, in their box, you should have things in case of emergency. So that can look like, um, maybe a card or a piece of paper, um, with emergency phone numbers. So that can be people you can call, um, crisis hotline numbers, um, Maybe addresses of um, places you know that you can go to be cared for in an emergency. That might be the address of your nearest hospital. That might be um, the address of like a walk in crisis clinic or something. I don't know what you have near you. Um, so, like information that can help you in an emergency um, that because your prefrontal cortex has shut off, you won't be able to access in the moment. So, you might say, like, Oh, yeah, well, like, I, I know my best friend's phone number by heart. Uh, write it down anyway. Because it's, it's not always that you can't trust your brain to recall that information in the moment. But remember that your brain is already working overtime. It's already working super hard to manage this flood of emotion. So you want to really try to take as much work off its plate as possible. So um, there are plenty of templates for like printable safety plans or like emergency contact info wallet cards you know things like that there's plenty of templates you can search online um i think i will also post uh, a link to one in the show notes um for reference just to see what i mean and um in addition there are also some you know in the digital age there are plenty of like apps that can serve this purpose as well Um, one app that is kind of cool is called booster buddy Um, I believe it is Canadian in origin, maybe like the Canadian um, health, um, I don't know, department or authority or something, created it. And um, it's an overall like self-care app. So it's about like um, managing mental health symptoms in general. So it'll walk you through a lot of stuff about like, what do you struggle with? Like, what are... um, like what are the tasks that we can remind you to do like can we remind you to take your meds at a certain time so it's like a lot of stuff but what I like for this purpose it is it has like a, a tab specifically for emergencies and so in that you can um put the emergency number you know and and that's you know nine one one in the U.S. but it's um different three numbers um in other countries so you can put that there you can put the address of your nearest hospital and you can also log like uh coping methods or coping strategies or like a coping statement, I think they call it. Like something that you can read when you're, um, when you're kind of worked up that would help you in the moment. So, um, that's something I like about that app. But then there's also a really cool app, um, that I was just looking up and it hasn't been updated in a while. So I hope it's still, you know, functioning on all, um, operating systems you know ios and stuff but um last i checked it is on um ios for apple and google play i think for android and it's called emergency chat and it was developed by um a an autistic person um to cope with moments of like um high escalation scenarios in which they might go nonverbal um and they might have trouble like um, communicating what they need. And so that's really important because I think even if um, even if you don't um, completely go nonverbal when you're escalated, um, it can really help because you can program a message um, that you can hand to someone else that says like, I'm feeling, you know, I'm in an agitated state, I am experiencing, um, you know, a verbal shutdown. I'm having trouble expressing myself right now. Um, and then you can make it say whatever you want. You can make it say what you need. Um, and, and then it leads to like, um, a text box. So you can text, um, a lot of times when people like, they can't speak, but they can type. So, um, it leads you to a box where you can type out what you want, and then you can hand your phone to somebody and they can, um, communicate with you that way. Um, you know, sometimes that, that cuts down on like, for example, like the people asking you like over and over all that sensory of like, what's going on? Are you okay? What's going on? You know, um, and it can be another way to communicate that would be less work on your brain. So I'll also put the links to those in the show notes. Um, so that's number one for safety. So whatever, um, you need to assure your safety in the moment, put it there. So if self-harm is also something you struggle with, um, I think it's keep that in mind um, and think about things that are specifically designed for that. Um, You know, like maybe it's helpful for you to have like a a pair of gloves or a pair of mittens in there or something that helps you to like just keep your hands contained so you don't hurt yourself or somebody else. I don't know. Um, But I think it's um, important to keep those those concerns in mind first and foremost and so um what I was saying about like um needing to break things like this might be um you know a good good examples of that so for example like maybe there are some some things that can um meet that need of needing to break something like ripping paper maybe there's maybe some paper that um you don't care about or like junk mail that um that might feel satisfying to rip apart because it'll get that um it'll get your body moving it'll get that cortisol out um things like that I don't know the sticks or like I don't know popsicle sticks or or things you can snap apart in that way um maybe cheap plastic things from the dollar store that you can um, break or smash or whatever you want um, fabric, you know, sometimes it's good to get like, you know, old t-shirts. Um, it's weirdly satisfying to rip, (laughs) rip apart an old t-shirt. I don't know why, but, um, that might be something you can put in. So just things like that, that can, um, if you know that your body naturally wants to deescalate by destroying something, (laughs) um, that might be a good thing to keep in mind and put in there. So for the rest of the decision of what to put in your um, comfort or grounding box, um, it's helpful to really focus on the senses. So you want to try to have um, things in there that really um, kind of narrow in on and focus on each of the senses individually. This is another place where it will be really helpful to um, maybe take notice of what your body needs because sometimes when we're in a really escalated state, what can really help us is, um, like an overwhelm of the senses. So maybe like what's, um, whatever's going on inside of us is so overwhelming that we need something, um, to really bring us back into our bodies and to really, um, kind of flood one of our senses so that it can help us regulate. Sometimes that's how we do that. So for example, like, um, some people really need like firm touch, you know, like, so for example, like if you feel that you need a really tight hug to, um, to de-escalate, um, and then, um, some people really need like to cut out senses. So maybe what you're actually feeling is like sensory overload. So you're, there's too much sound, there's too much sensory stimuli coming in at you. So in that case, maybe it'd be more helpful to eliminate, um, you know, sensory stimuli. So for example, like um, noise canceling headphones might be a good investment if that's something that you tend to need to regulate yourself. Um, So those are just kind of like something to keep aware of. And there might be things, there'll be things here that um, that do a little bit of either. So let's go through the senses one by one. So first let's do like touch, right? So textures. Like, what are things with really distinct textures that can help, like, focus your senses, bring you back to the now and the present, maybe satisfy your body's need for movement or, like, um, touching, breaking, bending, manipulating something. Um, You know, when we get that cortisol hormone in our bodies, we need to release it somehow. If it's stored in our bodies, it can do really toxic things. So, um, you know, obviously, like, if you have the wherewithal and you have the, the opportunity to exercise during this time, that's definitely a great thing to do um, if you're able to. Um, and I would still recommend doing that maybe after, maybe when you're not so escalated, but you um, still have, you know, some, some buzzing in your body you need to let out. That's a good way to do that. Um, but other, like, touch-specific um, items you can keep in your, um, grounding box can be things like, um, bubble wrap. Um, and notice that they have those, like, uh, they're like, it's like bubble wrap, but it's like a silicone. Shoot. I don't remember the name of it. Um, but probably if you type like silicone bubble thing or like silicone, like bubble sensory tool, it should probably come up. It's basically like bubble wrap, but it's silicone. So you can like pop it in and out. Um, and it can be really soothing. So something like that, um, things that will, that will be like, um, like temperature. Um, so some of these might not be things you can keep in a box, but, um, it can be like a a de-escalation strategy. So, um, for example, like a really hot shower that could help like, um, tune back into the body and shock your senses and, um, you know, give the sensory input that you need to kind of bring yourself back to baseline. Um, ice, you know, something very cold. Um, so, um, so I guess some of those things you could try to keep in your in your box. For example, like uh, an ice pack. You know, like those are things that you don't have to refrigerate. Um, but if you like break something in the inner pouch or whatever, it gets cold. So maybe that will be helpful. Or like hand warmers. That's something that's similar. Like if you, you just have to activate it and it gets really hot. Um, so those are things that can help that can you can also keep in the box. Um, distinctive textures. Like um, I had a client who really enjoyed feeling velvet and had like um, a piece of fabric that was very velvety that really um help them come back to their senses so things like that like sandpaper even you know it's not um it might not be soothing but it's distinctive you know and it'll bring you back to your body and it'll tune you into a sense um a stuffed animal like a uh, silly putty or like thinking putty something like um you know squishy that you can touch um you know uh maybe like more more like uh, hand what are they called they're like puzzles, but they're not like on paper. (laughs) I don't know. I can't find the word I want right now, but basically like, you know, like wooden puzzles, um, you know, kind of things that are more compact that you can, you know, Rubik's cube, uh, maybe that's what I want to say. Um, or, um, I went through this huge phase and I think like college where I would carry around a jumble of thread with me wherever I went because I think, um, I think especially when I was studying abroad, um, I would have a lot of moments where I felt like really like sensory overloaded. I was in another country and I was like, um, you know, really struggling to, um, not get too overwhelmed. And so (laughs) I don't know why, but I had like this thread that, and I discovered that picking out like knots in threads, um, was really soothing to me. It was something to focus on. It was like, um, a a problem I could work on with my hands, you know, it was easy to see, like, it was a great visualization of like picking one end of the thread and following it all the way through out of the knot, you know, it's like, it was just one of those things that I really liked. So, um, something like that can be really helpful. So it's kind of like a, a mental focus thing, but it's also something you can touch. So the next sense would be like smell. So having things in there that have a distinct um, smell or can overpower your sense of smell. So like um, perfume, um, incense is a good thing if you want to like if if a strong smell can like um, snap you out of it and help you regulate. Um, That's a good strong smell to have. Um, Shampoo or soap, um, essential oils or a diffuser. You can get like really cute little tiny essential oil diffusers like online somewhere um you know a scented candle things like that and then uh hearing so things that you can hear so this is this is a little tricky because like no one uses cds anymore (laughs) um but if you do use cds if you have one of the um ancient computers left that actually has a cd drive this would be a great place to store some cds that um You can either like blast really loud or is a really good soothing um balancing music for you um guided meditations like if cds are a thing where where you live like put those in there but i understand that that wouldn't be really hard like one of my biggest pet peeves is the fact that my computer does not have a cd drive anymore that is insane to me but okay whatever um So in that case, um, it might be good to have like playlists on your, your phone or your listening device or iPod or whatever, um, that are specifically for this purpose, you know? So some people, like, if you want to overwhelm your, your sense of, of hearing, like it's, um, some people really like, like heavy metal, you know, it's not something that like, um, it's something that can easily get really loud and can, um, kind of, you know, envelop you and kind of be like the auditory version of a tight bear hug, you know? Um, so if you do have to have like playlists on your phone, something that might be have to have to be separate, if, pretty much anything in this box, if you have to have, if you want to put something in the box that you can't keep in the box, then I would definitely recommend at least putting a note in the box of how exactly to find it. So for example, like if you have a particular playlist on your Spotify app on your phone, that is for this, you know, write the name of the playlist, um, on a note in your box, right? So like, um, you know, soothing playlist, Spotify, um, library, something like that. So if you can't put something in the box, make sure you're writing down exactly how to get to it. Because like I said, we're trying to take some pressure off of that, off of that prefrontal cortex. It's already, you know, it needs a break, you know, try to help it out. Um, uh, maybe, like, a small, like, musical instrument, like a like a kazoo. Like, those are um, annoying and have a loud sound and are very cheap and um, small. Uh, a harmonica, um, you know, a little drum or something. A maraca, you know, something that has, like, um, that, especially if it's something that you can, like, play repetitively and you don't need a lot of uh, skill if that's not your thing. Um, something that can... That has a distinctive sound that can bring you back. And then uh flip side, if what you need is a um is cutting out sensory stimulation, this would be a good place to put like noise canceling headphones, earplugs, maybe, um things that help you block things out. And then similarly, like you know, to block out sights or light or whatever, um, for the sight sense, you could put like an eye mask. You know, sometimes that helps to kind of like um zone back in, block out sensory overwhelm. So since we're there, like the next sense could be like sight, right? What are things that you can um that are soothing to or balancing to see, right? Um, maybe there's like a visual puzzle or like a, a visual, like what are those called? Like illusions, like visual illusions, maybe that's your thing and that can really like, you know, um distract you from whatever is going on and can um, you know, keep your eyes busy or whatever. Um this is another thing where it might be helpful to, um, you know, write down where to find things because maybe it's a movie or a TV show. Like, a lot of people, um, especially who struggle with anxiety, have a lot of, like, um, movies and TV shows that they find very soothing and familiar and that can, you know, distract them enough um, to, you know, help them regulate. So if that's the case, you know, again, <laughs> DVDs are not as much of a thing right now. If they are, put a DVD in there, but If not, um, write down maybe exactly where to find it on your phone or your computer or have it easily saved on your desktop um, or have it bookmarked in your, I don't know, Netflix or Amazon Prime or whatever. I really love the uh, Monterey Bay Aquarium Shark Tank webcam um so that's something you can find on their website they stream like just footage of they have footage of like all their animals and even footage of like the beach you know you can um if that's really soothing and interesting to you that's um that's really cool and accessible you can just type that and maybe bookmark it in your browser you know oh my gosh you will not believe what just happened in the middle of recording my microphone just stopped working (laughs) oh my gosh and i don't just mean it just stopped recording i mean that it was translating all of my speech into high pitched beeps and static it was terrifying so that's why i sound different now because i'm just recording it from my computer and it's midnight i can't fix it right now and i clearly have to wrap this up because some kind of ghost or alien life force is out to get me and i should just really keep this quick. <laughs> anyway, I hope you can still hear me okay. But um, just to finish off the the site uh, sense, um, you could also keep some like coloring books, crayons in there. Um, maybe something to read that might be encouraging or soothing, like a, a story or a book you like, or maybe it's a letter from a loved one or a letter from yourself, or maybe it's a list of things you love or things that make you laugh or, um, good memories or whatever. And then the last sense is taste. So this might be tough if there's, um, you know, if it's hard to keep food in a box for obvious reasons, but, um, there's maybe some like non-perishable and wrapped things that you can keep in there, like fruit snacks, um, you know, things, maybe things to get some some blood sugar up, um, quickly if that's what you need, um, a juice box, sometimes that's helpful, um, candy, um, anything with a distinct, like, a strong taste, like anything minty, gum, um, like a, a a mint, um, also tea, maybe you can keep some tea bags in there, um, to make tea, anything, like, spicy or sweet or with a strong taste, maybe, like, uh, like those red hot candies, those are kind of spicy. And, uh, if you can tolerate them, um, that could be a good kind of wake up to your senses. Um, pop rocks is kind of cool. Um, cause it's like a food and it's a candy, but it also like is a very like evolved experience for your mouth. Um, so that might be a cool idea. Um, and then maybe you want to keep some money in there too. Um, maybe you can keep money in there to buy yourself a quick snack or, um, Um, or you can, you know, take the money really easy and then just, like, go walk to buy yourself a snack to calm down also. So those are just some ideas, but obviously get super creative with them. Like, I had to limit all the ideas I have with them. There are so many. And so I really want to encourage you to just, like, um, get super creative. I think kids are really good at coming up with ideas for this. Um, And so, and I think this is a really cool project, especially to do um, you know, together with, with your children. Um, I had a client once who, um, who with their, with their children, they both made comfort boxes for themselves. And, um, they said it was a really, really, um, helpful educational and very sweet bonding experience too. Um, and a great opportunity to talk about, um, and, and normalize, Using things to calm ourselves down, so that could be a really fun um, activity. Um, and then also just remember not to cement yourself into anything in this box. Make sure that you keep uh, that you keep adding and evolving as you change and discover more things that um, that calm you down or that trigger you. You know. Um, you know, how do you think I discovered that string thing? <laughs> it's totally by accident, right? Like, we are some of the most creative people I know, like, neurodivergent people. So, um, definitely lean into it. If there's, uh, we tend to go through phases, too. Like, if you went through a phase where this was really exciting and, and um, helpful to you, and then it just stopped being that way to take it out, you know? <laughs> there's no, there's no rules about what has to be in here, um, just make sure that you're constantly listening to yourself and constantly like keeping an ear out and an eye out for, um, things that, uh, you know, might help you out. And not only can this help like, you know, keep your box up to date, like keeping um on the lookout for, um, new tools, strategies, items that you can add to it. Um, but it can also, um, as we're, we keep like looking out for those things, it can help build an awareness of our own needs, of our own signals, of our own triggers, and our own helps as well. Because um, that can be something that, is, uh, that can be pretty hard for us, and that doesn't feel as intuitive to us as it might to other people. Um, so anything that can be an exciting, fun way to um, become more in tune with ourselves and our bodies is a great thing. So I have to go before I get beamed up into a UFO, um, and maybe I should just, like, leave this microphone in the closet. Maybe they, they want it. <laughs> maybe that was the point. I don't know. I'm just gonna leave it here. And if the aliens want it, they can come get it. No hard feelings, um, cause clearly something's gotta give with it anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, So thank you so much. I'm sorry this was a a little long. I'm going to try to cut it shorter, but um, I just get so excited talking about this stuff. Um, So if you you have ideas about de-escalation, tactics, kits, um, you know, things that really help you or things that help your children um, that you want to add, please send them to me. I love... Um obviously I love getting your your questions and your stories and your um your concerns and your woes. I really value hearing those as well, but it's just as important to me uh to hear what's working for you all and your successes and your accomplishments and um the things that are going right. I think that um it's important to to shine a light on those things as well. So thank you so much for listening. Um please pray for me with the with the aliens or the ghosts um and pray for my microphone (laughs) wherever it might end up (laughs) the ufo or the garbage (laughs) um and yeah i love you all please stay safe uh stay kind um and uh just keep keep hanging in there you're doing great keep it up okay bye that's all for this episode, but there is plenty more at my website, theadhdmanual.com. That's T-H-E-A-D-H-D-M-A-N-U-A-L.com. You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Reddit at the ADHD Manual. Do you have a question, comment, or story? Then I want to hear it. Email me at the at gmail.com. Very special thank you to my brother, Joe Miner, for composing this theme music, and thank you so much for listening. And remember to be kind to yourself. See you next time.